Thank you for joining us at Life Bible College. Now, yeah, there we go. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. We're thrilled. We're excited. And it is an honor, quite frankly, to be here to share with you. Uh, I love teaching the Word of God to anybody that will listen. And uh, especially love teaching in, in Bible colleges because you know you have an audience that came to hear, came to learn. There's no question about that. But uh, I'd say that about all of you. It's a Wednesday night. Why would you be here if you didn't come to receive? Amen? And so we're going to have a great time, and I'm thrilled for this opportunity. Donna, would you stand, please? Some of them don't know you. This is my lovely wife, Donna. And for those of you who might not know and might not have witnessed anything like this before, we do minister together, and let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, I'm going to do some teaching tonight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I minister a lot on the gifts of the Spirit. Over 50 years in the ministry, God has seen fit to use me in all nine of the gifts of the Spirit. I've seen some just awesome things happen by the Spirit of God. And a little less than three years ago, the Lord directed me to make this the primary thing in my life and ministry until he says otherwise. I now am getting the impression he's not going to say otherwise. Uh, Because I just completed... One, sermon number 103 on the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And, and I think we've about got it started. I, I think. All right? Because there's so much to it. So much to understand. But one of the things that the Lord started with us, uh, it's been a little over four years ago now, has it not? I had... I administered, like I said, in in all of the gifts of the Spirit, lots of times right in the middle of my message, just teaching along, and suddenly there was a tongue, there was an interpretation, flowing in and out of prophecy as I taught the Word. And there were many, many services, many times when God would give Donna a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Uh, She would lay hands on the sick alongside of me. But about four years ago, now a little over that, the Lord started something new for us. And that is often in our services, she will give a message in tongues, I will give the interpretation. She'll give a message in tongue, I'll give the interpretation. What's quite unique about that is sometimes it happens right in the middle of my sermon. And I've told her, go for it. Amen. Amen. There's nothing I have to say that is more important than what God has to say. I'm going to say that again. There's nothing I have to say 
that is more important than what God has to say. And I'm telling you, we are moving quickly, rapidly into the most wonderful, phenomenal, awesome move of God this earth has ever seen. And I'm going to be right in the middle of it. I already am. And I'm going to stay right in the middle of it. And I want you to be right in the middle of it. So if she, she's got a microphone, if she steps up here, I'll stop teaching, she'll give the tongue, I'll give the interpretation, whatever the Lord tells us to do. Now, please, please don't get offended. While I'm teaching, nobody else is allowed to do that. Okay? And if you wonder why, it's real simple. We're one. We're one. That's how God sees us. So we're ministering as one. Do you understand that? 1 Corinthians 14 is all about order. Doing things decently and in order. We're going to do some things in this service tonight that you might not have ever been involved in before. Please don't jump up and run out the door. You're going to experience some things tonight you might not have ever experienced before. Don't be afraid. Be eager. Amen. Because we're just going to keep flowing with what the Spirit of God is doing in this service. It started out well. We're just taking on off from there. Amen. Now go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you would please. And rarely ever do I announce the title of a message, but I'm going to do that tonight. I titled this one, Get Control of Your Soul. Get Control of Your Soul. Several years ago, I bought an airplane. I'd always wanted one. I'd always wanted to learn to fly. And somehow I had in my head, the best way to learn to fly is go buy an airplane. I mean, you know, why not learn to fly first? Well, I didn't do that. I went and bought an airplane, a little single-engine Cherokee Warrior, and I hired a guy to teach me to fly. And the only reason I'm bringing that up, I don't fly anymore uh, myself. You understand? Uh, I fly with American or Delta or United. It's safer. She told me so. <laughs> but I remember this clearly. Part of the instruction that I was given was whenever you are fouling your, your flight plan. Uh, I, I thought this was quite interesting. And you've heard this any number of times. You might not have realized what you were hearing unless you are a pilot or have taken lessons. But they said, and they'll want to know how many souls are on board. And when there is an airplane crash, they'll make reference to how many souls, S-O-U-L-S, how many souls were on board. 
That's the way they talk about it. Now that tells you a lot about what most people think about humans. The first thought is souls. Well, we're going to address that tonight, okay? So did you find 1 Corinthians 14? All right, let me work my way right up to that scripture. This chapter has an underlying tone to it. That underlying tone, underlying tone is that man is a spirit being. And that he has a soul and that he lives in a body. Now when I say that is the underlying tone, what I mean by that, I am referring to the fact that this chapter deals a lot with choice. The matter of choice. And Paul expresses that in several verses when he is talking about tongues, when he is talking about interpretation of tongues, when he is talking about prophecy in this chapter, that's invariably couched in the terms of choice. So having a choice in things related to the gifts of the Spirit, now, listen carefully, having a choice in things related to the gifts of the Spirit simply does not make sense if you only think of yourself as a natural one-part being. Because your natural man has no idea what to do with the gifts of the Spirit. And if when you have heard someone mention the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm not going to teach on all of them tonight, but I just named three of them. Diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Those are three gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, that's another gift. Word of wisdom, that's another gift. There's nine of them all together. And whenever you've heard somebody talk about that, if your reaction is... How could I possibly decide to prophesy? How could I decide to speak in tongues? If your reaction is, doesn't the Holy Ghost decide what I'm supposed to do? Or if you've read this chapter and your reaction is, what gives Paul the right to suggest all these things in this chapter? Then you are relating to the whole subject according to your natural man. Come on. Good. Now, this is not kindergarten. Hello? I came with a semi-truck load of spiritual meat. And I'm going to throw it out in chunks. Either grab it or dodge.
Your pastor did not tell me how much time I have. I'm glad. Because I'm going to go for it. Are you ready? Okay. Hear this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 flies right in the face of the gifts of the Spirit being sovereign acts of God. The church has treated the nine gifts of the Spirit as though they were sovereign acts of God. Now, listen to what I'm saying, because I don't want to talk about this a long time. i got something else I want to talk about. But we've heard about the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. There are groups of people that they are strong on the sovereignty of God. Invariably, that relates to salvation. And so, basically, you could kind of divide up Christianity between those who believe in the sovereignty of God relative to salvation, those who don't believe in the sovereignty of God, in other words, those who believe in free will and choice, and those who believe it's all up to God. But I'm telling you, that notion about the sovereignty of God as it relates to salvation is the least of the issues. There's a far greater issue regarding the sovereignty of God when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And what I mean by that is that there are a lot of people who simply do not believe you can speak in tongues anytime you want to. And they'll fight you over that. How do I know that? Because I used to be one of them. That's how I know that. Because that's what I was told. And for me to stand here and, and read this chapter, I'm going to read some stuff in a moment that, that will illustrate what I'm talking about. And for me to take this seriously and think that I could actually do it, that flies in the face of the notion that you can only speak in tongues when the Spirit of God hits you over the head with a two before. You have to have a certain atmosphere. You have to feel a certain way. Certain things have to have occurred. And only then can God move. You didn't get that out of the Bible. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret... Oh, but I thought there were just certain people that could interpret. I mean, here, you've already said you interpret tongues whenever Donna speaks in tongues. And we know that our pastor interprets tongues. So that's two. That's enough. I ain't praying for no interpretation. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. How many of you speak in tongues? Lift your hand. Don't be afraid. Okay, the rest of you can. Now, if you don't want to, that's up to you. I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to. But you can. But every one of you that just raised your hand that you speak in tongues should pray that you interpret. Y'all did want me to teach the Bible, didn't you? Right? That's what I just read. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Look at this. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, 
my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will. Say, I will. will. Say it again. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit. Stop right there. You can pray with the Spirit. You can sing with the Spirit. You can bless with the Spirit. And every time he says, I will, I will, I will. And then he says, else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. Obviously, that was the King James. Now, praying to interpret a tongue that I have given at least implies I do have some choice in this. I grew up in a Christian home. My mother was a wonderful lady, wonderful Christian lady. Raised me right. She's been in heaven a while now. All the days of my life I've been thankful her and I always will be we had a lot of fun discussions while I was at home before I went off to Bible college and I remember talking to her even after this was after Don and I got married and there was something that was going on and she looked at me one day and she she said uh, well you know whatever will be will be and she had asked me To pray about whatever this was. And so I was asking her questions. We were talking about it. And she'd asked me to pray. And she said, well, well, you know, whatever it's going to be is going to be. That's just the way it is. And I looked at her and I said, well, if that's what you believe, then I'm not going to pray. And she said, why? I said, what's the use? If you believe it's already decided and whatever's going to be is what's going to be, what are you praying for? If there's no choice in this, then why would you pray to interpret? Let's push it a little bit further. I read those scriptures that said, I will, I will, I will, I will. How do I decide When to pray with the Spirit, when to pray with the understanding. How do I decide when I'm going to sing with the Spirit and when I'm going to sing with the understanding? And why would I decide to do one and not do the other? Now the answers to all those questions will be given to you next Wednesday night by your pastor. (laughs) I'm teasing, of course. The answers to all those questions cannot be found until we have a better understanding of being spirit beings and how that relates to the gifts of the spirit. There are parts of you which operate completely independent of other parts of you. From the scriptures that I've just read so far tonight, you can see your understanding is separate 
from what you do with the Spirit. A lot of things that some of you have never done and just decided you probably never would do. And this is your reason. Because I don't understand it. And yet I just told you, your understanding is separate from your spirit. And I got that out of the Bible. That is what these verses that I read are saying. Your spirit can do things and the rest of you, your soul and your body, not really grasp all that is happening. You are a spirit being. You have a soul and you currently live in a human body which will cease to exist. I want you to say that out loud. I am a spirit. I am a spirit. I am a spirit. Now, now we need to help three or four people here tonight. So, say this out loud. I am a spirit. I admit. Sounds kind of weird. But I still am a spirit. And I have a soul. And I live in a body. And the day is going to come when that body will cease to exist. And the day will come when you have a new body to live in for eternity. Now look at 1 Corinthians 14, 15 once again. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I want all of the Bible college students to answer this question big and loud. Who is the I? You can do better than that. There you go. I taught them that last night. So it is your spirit that is making these decisions. Your spirit should be in charge of all of the important decisions that you make in your life. I'm going to say that again. Your spirit should be in charge. The real should be in charge of all of the important decisions you make in your life. And yet most people don't live that way. And that tells us why they have such a struggle with the gifts of the Spirit. And especially speaking in tongues. It's because they don't live that way. See, your mind is not always ready. Your soul is not always ready. But your spirit is always ready to speak in tongues. We'll say that again. Your spirit is always ready to speak in tongues. If you have never received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but you are born again, your spirit is already ready to speak in tongues. But your mind... Your soul is concerned about what other people will think and what they will say. And when people give way to what their soul is concerned about, well, then their spirit is not the I. Something else is.
There's a lot of people like that. Now, there's a verse of Scripture in Luke chapter 21, verse 19 that I want to use. So turn there and take a look at it, please. Luke 21, 19. I had you say a while ago, I'll talk while you're turning. I had you say a while ago, I am a spirit, I have a soul. I am a spirit, I have a soul. Look at this. Jesus made this statement. It's Luke chapter 21, verse 19. Luke 21, 19. In your patience possess ye your souls. Jesus said that. I am in possession of my soul, or at least I should be, I can be. I am a spirit, I have a soul. Now your soul exists regardless of whether or not you are in possession of it. Let me change the word. Your soul exists whether or not you're in control of it. You have a soul. But your soul may be out of control. You're living in a world with people all around you who are 100% controlled by their soul. And their souls are out of control. So a big part of my message is get control of your soul. In your patience possess ye your souls. That tells me, Jesus said that, that tells me, there must be one part of me which can have control of this powerful part of me called my soul. But most people, most Christians, think their soul is the strongest, most powerful part of them. And I know they think that. I know it's true. Because they are so controlled by how they feel about things they're ruled they're controlled by their emotions just so you get it let me put it this way I want you to say this out loud so you can kind of shock yourself how's that okay so say it big and loud I Will, will never, never ever, ever again, again make, make an, an emotional, emotional decision. decision. You probably make one before the night's over. I dare say most of the decisions that people make are emotional decisions. A lot of them are. I got to be careful here. You might have made an emotional decision the last time you bought a car. Because you fell in love with it before you signed the papers. Before you ever walked on the lot. You wanted that car. You didn't even know how much it cost. But you were already decided to buy it. You didn't even know if you could get in and out of it. 
people buy houses that way. People get married that way. People get divorces that way. I remember when I was young. I refuse to say, but now I'm old. I am not. I'm just not as young as I used to be. But I remember this phrase, and, and some of you will remember it well. If it feels good, do it. I'm not going to ask who, who remembers that. Because that has not gotten better, it's gotten worse. In fact, how people feel about things is number one today. That's the society you live in that is at the very core of political correctness. You are living in a very, very soulish society. And so the last thing you need is a soulish church. That is about nothing but emotions and your five senses and how you feel. You live in a crazy world. I live in a crazy world. Because it is dominated by soulish thinking. And on top of that, more concerned about the body than ever. So you need a church. And thank God you have a church. That can help you understand the things of the Spirit and how to benefit from them. I want to make this as clear as I can. This whole lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, whatever other name they've added to themselves that they've decided to call themselves today, this whole movement that says, uh, don't put any tags on us, and yet has more tags than any group that I've ever seen. They are completely wrapped up in the soulish realm for the purpose of glorifying the human body. And they consider the body to be the most important part of us and especially whatever their perverted minds want to do with their bodies. And they try to justify what they do with their bodies by using their perverted minds to defend their actions. And these people, listen to me now, I was leading up to this, these people were born with a spirit that God gave them. When they were in the womb, just like when you were in the womb, God showed up and put their spirit in that little body in the womb. It happens to every human. And now, what a tragedy. I'm not mocking these people. I'm saying what a tragedy. And I brought that up because they're at the opposite end of the spectrum of what I'm talking about. What they're doing is a tragedy. Please don't hate them. Please don't hate them. Love them. Care about them. Be kind to them. I mean that sincerely. They need the truth. But it must come in love. 
The church has no business hating people like that. Their lives are a mess. They're a wreck. But you go tell them that, and, and, and you've stopped any opportunity you'll ever have to speak the truth into their life. That's not where you start. You start loving them. Amen. Now, here's a very important scripture. Turn, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There is an outward man, there is an inward man. The outward man will perish, that is the body. This is the part that so much of the world is so caught up with. It's everywhere. It's every movie. It, it's all over television. It's everywhere. You would think the body is all that matters. And people will fight you over their opinions about the body. But look at verse 18 again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Your body is a part of the things which are seen. So your body is temporal, temporal, excuse me, it has a time limit set on it. And when the time is up, your body will expire. God set the clock at about 120 years. But you can reset it. By the way you live. And by the way you talk. And you can make the time much, much shorter. So why not go the other way. And live the whole 120. Are you going to be here when you're 120? I'm putting him on the spot. Let's see. Tomorrow, I shouldn't say that. Someday, you'll be, ah, uh, hmm. I'm a little more than 20 years older than you. Okay. So, let's see. When you're 120, I'll be 140. So, uh, are you going to pastor this church when you're 100? I'm trying to get an invitation back. At 120. I think it'd be cool to celebrate my 120th birthday here. So make a list of all these people. I want to see how many of them show up for my party when I'm 120. Now, enough about the outward man. We have this inward man. What is that? It's the spirit. It's the part you can't see. It's the eternal part of you and me. And next is a scripture that I want to add to that that I know you've heard but maybe not talked about much. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, 27. Let's bring that in. Then we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you want to find both of those. 
And I'm going to work these together for a few minutes here. Proverbs 20, 27. By the way, you, you cannot tell when I'm going to be through. It's impossible. I don't write conclusions to my sermons. Okay? I don't want you to know when I'm almost done. So I will not tell you. All right? I'll just go and then stop. All right? That way you'll stay with me the whole time. If I tell you I'm almost done, you'll close your Bible. I don't want you to do that. Do you find Proverbs 20? Look at verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man is the candle, the light of the Lord, and does something. Searches all the inward parts of the belly. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 9. And what I'm going to do is just work my way through this passage, and I'm going to comment as I go along. So over and over and over, I'll be referring back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and making reference to Proverbs chapter 20. So you might want to keep your fingers in both places in your Bible and write with your foot, I guess, if you're taking notes. I don't know. But anyway, try to hang on to both so you can follow me. That's the point, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. There are things which God has prepared for you. I'm going to say that again. There are things which God has prepared for you. Your eyes cannot see these things. Your ears cannot hear these things. Your natural heart cannot receive these things. We know that's a reference to the natural heart because it's in the context of the eyes and of the ears. So there are things that God has prepared for you. Your eyes, your ears, and, and your heart they can't receive these things. But your spirit knows it. But your brain has not caught on to it yet. Your eyes, your ears, and the functioning of your natural brain are all, excuse me, of your natural heart are all connected to your brain. I messed that up. Let me say it again. The function of your eyes connected to your brain. The function of your ears connected to your brain. The function of your heart connected to your brain. Your spirit is not a brain function. God loves you, every one of you. He has a lot prepared for you, and He has already told your spirit at least some of it. Let me put it this way. For a lot of Christians, your spirit knows a secret. I would dare to say, your spirit has lots of secrets that God has given to your spirit about God's plans for you.
God told your spirit the secret and your spirit wants to tell your brain but your brain is running things. Your soul is in charge. So get control of your soul so you can find out the secret plans your spirit already knows about. And if you think I'm stretching this, you got to read verse 10. Look at it carefully. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered to the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The them is the things which God has prepared for you. The in that verse is a reference to the spirit of man. He's not revealed these things to our bodies. He's not revealed them to our souls. There are deep things of God your spirit knows and understands, but your brain has not caught up yet. So there's something that happens rather frequently in church. I know it does. You're sitting there. The pastor is up here teaching, preaching, or maybe somebody else is up here. And they're just talking along, whoever it is. And all of a sudden, you have an aha moment. A little light comes on. And suddenly, you know something. You understand something. You catch sight of something. You realize something that you didn't have an awareness of when you walked in that door. What just happened? Something came up from your spirit and made it past your soul came into your understanding. Yeah. It's not a criticism. It happens to all of us. It really does. We're all like that to one degree or another. Now here's what I want you to do. Everybody, take a hand like this. Put one finger up in the air. Now I told you, Mama told you not to point. I know that. Okay. But do this. Take your finger like this, bring it right around towards your belly. Touch your belly. Now, we're told that's where your spirit is located. So, we're going to accept that. Now, I want you to say this. Say it big and loud with your finger on your, on your belly. I want to know, know what you know. Come on, say it again. I want to know what you know. Now rephrase it and put it like this. What has God told you that you have not told me? 
Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. But God has told us. God has revealed them. And we'll bounce back to Proverbs 20 for a second. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. He has the right to put any secrets in your spirit he wants to put in there. Your spirit is called a candle because this is where the revelation takes place. It's where the light comes on. Your spirit is constantly looking to see what else God has put in there. Now tie that back to verse 11 of this passage in Corinthians. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? That's what we were just working with there. I want you to say it out loud like this. My spirit, my spirit knows, all kinds of stuff. knows all kinds of stuff. And by comparison, by comparison my, brain my brain is kind of dumb. <laughs> that made you feel real good, didn't it? Well, it's really true because God has put things in your spirit. He's revealed things to your spirit. That's what you just read. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Your brain, your soul, your feelings, your eyes, your ears, your natural heart do not know what God has put in you. But your spirit does. So don't let your soul cheat you out of it. Don't let your soul cause you to give up on life. And you never find out what God had planned that he's already told your spirit about. Don't let your feelings get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let your feelings get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let your feelings get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let your feelings get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Get control of your soul. There's only one way you and I are ever going to know and understand the things of God. And that is, if and when the Spirit of God reveals it to us. The Spirit of God knows it all, we don't. So you to ask yourself on a frequent basis, what does my spirit know that my soul does not know? And then don't quit till you find the answer. How is it possible for things to be this way? Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Simple answer, things are this way is because God planned it this way. Your spirit did not come from the devil. Your spirit did not come from this world. God created your spirit. It is his candle. Your spirit is a light God put in that body, and he did it for a reason. If you've ever wondered, why did God make me a spirit? Listen to this. We have received the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God wants you to know the things that are freely given by Him. Some of you have been asking for things. 
that he's already given to you. And the reason you've been asking for them is because your mind, your soul does not realize he's already given them to you. Because if you did, you would quit asking for them. But your spirit knows. Have I lost you? Are you with me? Are you getting this? All right, you need to preach some more. You got something? I'm going to use this mic. Can you hear me? Yes. He's got a handheld right there. If you. There we go. It is the Bayahasha, the Costa Manea, Okela Yata Mayana Sonona Sakea, to Osepagaya Cocono Mane, and the Cota Vasaya to Satakra, Ishtafayu, Nosta Mone, Sabasha Seek. So was the monota cassassa. Your toca saw, nanonacaya, sayasto, tamal. Never ever was it my plan for you to be without. Never ever was it my plan for you to be in want, for you to be in lack, for you to be in pain, for you to hurt, for you to live in sorrow and in grief. These things were never my plan. I have always had good things planned for you, wonderful things planned for you. I did it before the foundation of the world. Before I ever created the first man, I had a plan. That plan I have extended to every person in the universe. Everyone that's ever lived or ever will live. I've had a wonderful plan for them. And that is to bless them and to increase them. And to cause them to have the things that they need. But more than that, even things that they want. I have a wonderful plan for you, but you've been lied to. Yes, Monea, Shotota, Krayasa, Gogoman and Anna Sati, Chotasa, Sabodea, Tomosha Dokodaya, Amanina Cassea, Stacosto, Lostomosano, for Osta Crefas, or the Asta Monetekia. In the name of my son, you've been lied to. You've been told that things had to be a certain way. It's all over the place. It's all around the globe. Religion has told you that there are certain things that please me, that please me not at all. As a matter of fact, they give me great, great sorrow because it's not in my plan. I did not want you to be sick. Never, ever, ever did I want you to suffer. That is not my plan for you. That is not good and I did not want it for you. And yet it's been magnified and glorified in the name of my son as something that I cause and something that I want. What a reviling thing that is to my ears to hear. For that is not good and it is not my plan for you. I did not want you to hurt. I did not want you to be without. That's not my plan. My plan is good. And I keep telling your spirit that. And I keep telling your spirit that. And even those who don't know me, I tell their spirits that. Why do you think they chase after that which it is good? It is because something deep inside them knows that life ought to be better than it is but they seek it the wrong way seek me first glory and the 
de Kubushasa de Christa. Now, in this place, you're very fortunate. Because in this place, you've not been lied to. In this place, you've been told the truth. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. And again and again in the school, you've been told the truth. You're in a good place. You're in a good place because you are in a place of truth. But some of you have struggled to turn loose of the lies from the past. They dog you. They haunt you. You wonder, but am I in the right place? Because I was in that other place for so long. You're in the right place. You're in the right, you're in my place. I go to church here. I'm here right now. Talking to you from my throne in heaven. Telling you, you found a place of truth. Rejoice in it. And know that the things you're hearing with your ears that you haven't quite grabbed hold of yet. It's only because there's this thing called your soul standing in the way. I keep putting it in your spirit and I won't quit. Because I want you to know. Stand to your feet and rejoice. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voice, rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now you can be seated. It's always appropriate and good to respond to something that God says. Did you hear that? You go to church where God goes to church. If anybody ever asks you, what's the best way to find a good church? Here's your answer. Just check all over town and find out where God's going to church. That'll be the place to go. Now, if you find two of them, well, then find out whether or not you like the people there. I've never been able to understand why people go to church and God never shows up. I don't get that. Okay. Now, God created your spirit. He put your spirit in your body. And then he's telling your spirit, he is freely giving you things. Do you understand that whenever you get sick, you're in pain, and your body is suffering, at the same time that is going on, God is telling your spirit, you're well. Amen. So why don't you tell your body what God is telling your spirit? Yeah. Now I know this sounds crazy to the world. I don't care. What difference does it make? Verse 13. Still working on this. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See, I'm not teaching words of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom says I have to be sick 
that I have to die young. A little over 10 years ago now, it's been about 12 years ago now, I guess, I, I'd had a complete physical. I was sitting in my doctor's office after this physical, a very, very intelligent man. And he looked at me and he said, you ought to be dead. That's what he said. Then he asked me, why haven't you had a heart attack? <laughs> yeah. And then he asked me, why don't you have cancer? And then he said, most men have one or the other at your age. And I fired him. <laughs> I've been back. Well, I'll tell you why I haven't had a heart attack. I'll tell you why I haven't had cancer. It's because my spirit told me some of these secrets. And it got past my brain and past my emotions and past my feelings. And I know that health is one of the things freely given to me by God. And I'm not going by what natural man teaches. I'm not following that wisdom. I choose to go by that which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Jesus said, as recorded in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak from himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The teacher is here. He is in me. He is in you. Let him teach you the things that are in your spirit. Now back to 1 Corinthians. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but they, they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Strong says the natural man from the Greek is the part of us which we share with the animal kingdom. That'd be our soul and our body. Notice the word foolishness, silliness, absurd. Do you understand why these things sound absurd to the natural man? It's because they're spiritually discerned. That little phrase, spiritually discerned, carries the meaning of a sense of, of a judge holding an investigation. That's why the next verse reads, But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. We ought to be investigating the things God has put in our spirit. It ought to be constant. Now look at verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We'll never know enough to instruct the Lord. I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't try. But at the same time, we have the mind of Christ. Where do you think that mind is? It's not in your brain. It resides in the human spirit. Your eyes, your ears can never understand spiritual things. Donna stepped up here. She gave three tongues. Your eyes didn't understand that. Your ears didn't understand that. If you wait until you understand 
what you just saw the two of us do, you'll never do it. If you wait until you understand speaking in tongues, you'll never do it. If you wait until you understand this church, before you speak in tongues, you'll never do it. These things are spiritually discerned. Why? Because you're a spirit being. Now, I didn't go through all of this just to have something to teach. I taught all of this. I went through all of this because of something that I believe God wants us to do. There's a lot more that I could say, but the Lord said, stop and do this right now. There are several of you here that have never received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now, I say it like that on purpose. Because the Holy Spirit is not just about tongues. And there's been all kinds of arguments and disagreements over, you know, well, does that mean if I don't speak in tongues that the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with my life? All kinds of stuff like that. Let's just put all that over to the side for a few minutes and just give that a rest, okay? Because it's so clear from the Bible that God considers it a very wonderful thing for every human to speak in tongues. Because it makes so many things available to you. There's so much more to it than just a few words. You heard the kind of things that God said through the tongues and the interpretation. That's just one part of it. But what a wonderful part of it. What a glorious part of it. There are some of you that it would just scare the daylights out of you to go out to dinner with me and Donna. <laughs> Especially when I tell you this. It's real common. Cheesecake factory. Applebee's. IHOP. It'll matter. We're sitting there eating. Donna moves things to the side and starts speaking in tongues. Yeah, there's people sitting right behind us. Woo! <laughs> and whenever I give the interpretation, boy. Yes, we do have a reputation. Not at this point. Not a loud voice, Ken. Well, she doesn't yell, no. <laughs> I admit, I probably get louder than her, you know. I'm older than she is. So I really don't care. A lot older. Careful. 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 She said a lot older. That was tongues. 
Interpretation is just a few days. Now I got to repent. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a real short prayer. You pray it if you want to. If you don't want to, don't pray it. It's okay. We're not going to get mad at you. But if you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit tonight, you can receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues right there where you're sitting. And that's the way we're going to do this. I, I don't like to put people on the spot. I don't like people to put me on the spot. I don't like to feel awkward. I, I, don't, feel like, I don't like to feel like I've been singled out and everybody's looking at me. I don't like that. And, and I mean, that's as bold and gutsy as I am. I still don't like that. Okay? And not everybody is like me. I mean, some people are really kind of timid, you know. And so I'm just going to let you sit right there. Yeah, sit. Yeah. I think whenever the Holy Ghost came into the upper room on the day of Pentecost, I think they were sitting there. Yeah. So this is appropriate. So we're going to pray this prayer and we're going to ask the Lord together. Every one of us is going to pray this prayer that, you know, unless you just don't want to, we're going to pray this prayer and ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Ghost. Now you say, well, I already am. Well, I, you're helping somebody else. So we're going to pray this prayer together. And, and then once we pray this prayer, then all of you that already speak in tongues, I want you to just sit there and begin to do that. And those of you who've never spoken in tongues, I want you to begin to speak in tongues. Well, how do I do that? Well, Acts chapter 2 says when the Holy Ghost came, it says they began to speak with tongues. Well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. You know how to say something that doesn't sound like English. But I don't know what I'm saying. That's why it's called an unknown tongue. Okay? But what if it's not the real thing? Well, Jesus answered that too. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So we're going to start out asking. Okay? He, he said in another place that if, if you ask for an egg, ask your father for an egg, He's not going to give you a snake or a rock or something like that. Yes, for an egg, he's going to give you an egg. So you can ask for the Holy Spirit. That's what he's going to give you. And the Bible is full of examples of people doing supernatural things. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural thing. But if you'll notice, over and over and over, before that supernatural thing happens... Something natural happens. We're at the wedding. They've run out of wine. Fill these pots full of water. Natural. They turn to wine. Supernatural. There's 5,000 men plus the women and the children. They're hungry. Here, take this bread that I broke. Take this fish that I broke. He's talking to the disciples. Go out there and have them sit in groups. And you go out there and start breaking it. That's natural. But the fact that 
5,000 men later, there were still fish. That's supernatural. And you can just go through thing, one thing right after another. So what I'm asking you to do is pray and then do something natural. Say some words you've never said before and just keep saying them and let the Holy Ghost give you utterance and let it just increase. Ready? Everybody pray this out loud with me that wants to. Heavenly Father, I ask you now, because it is my heart's desire, fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of that, of speaking in tongues. I have asked and I now receive your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now begin to speak. All over the auditorium, begin to speak. Keep it up. Keep it up. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. Those of you who have never spoken words in tongues, do it now. Keep going. I'm going to just stand here for a moment. Keep going. Let's lift that up a little bit louder. Increase the volume just a little bit more. That's good. Keep it right there. Just enjoy yourself talking to your Father, allowing your spirit to speak. That's a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. Now you can stop. This is decent and in order. What makes it decent and in order is the very fact that I led you into that. I asked you to do that. I gave you the instructions. You followed the instructions. And everybody that wanted to participate was participating. What would have been out of order would have been if somebody somewhere back here had jumped up and started singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> that would have been out of order. Does that make sense to you? Now, I'm not even going to ask how many of you spoke in tongues for the first time. I'm not going to ask that. What I want you to do if you spoke in tongues for the first time, especially if you know the person seated next to you, even if you don't, turn to somebody seated next to you and tell them, I just spoke in tongues for the first time. Do it right now. Do it right now. It's good for you to do that. It's very good for you to do that. And then I want to encourage you, let this be the beginning of something absolutely wonderful in your life that you continue with the rest of your days on this earth. All right? Pastor, come. God bless you.